saying hello, humans. Hello, humans, humans. You humans of Minnesota, of Minneapolis, of the Twin Cities, of the world. Hello, it's Ellie Krug again on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Welcome. I hope your Monday is starting out relatively well. I know, I know. Um, yeah, it's we're 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 into the summer at least, and uh, we're we're past Memorial Day. Hooray! Um, but don't blink if you're in Minnesota, because we of course know how quickly it will go. Today's theme is yearning for change. Um, the big interview is with Robin Wolpert. Uh, she is an idealist. Um, who is well-known among the state of Minnesota attorney. She's a past president of the Minnesota uh, Bar Association. Um, and, and you're going to hear an interview with, with an idealist speaking about working to make the world a better place. I think that you'll love that interview. Um, and in my C block, I'm going to share a story about something that happened which reminded me of how much we yet need to be more inclusive. And that would be my yearning for change, of course. But first, um, in this block here, I want to focus on a group of younger humans whose idealism um, was born out of tragedy. I'm referring to the students of Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School. MSD, MSD High School, the survivors of the February 14th, 2018 Valentine's Day school shooting in which 17 students and staff members were killed and 17 others were wounded. 34 human lives affected by bullets and, and a man, a younger, a young man who was obviously very, very disturbed. Unlike no other mass shooting before or since, um, it is, I'm going to have to tell you parenthetically, it's horrific for me to have to acknowledge that there have been 152 mass shootings between 1967 and May of 2018. Um, unlike no other mass shooting, the Valentine's Day tragedy at Marjorie Stone uh, Douglas, um, Stoneman, excuse me, Douglas High School, has created an impetus for social change. Many of the students who survived the shooting um, have turned into advocates and idealists um, and now have near household names like Emma Gonzalez or David Hugg or Cameron Caskey or Alfonso Calderon. Many of these students have their own Wikipedia pages. Why this group? Why was it the MSD high school students? Why them? And why in 2018 were they the ones who finally started to change the envelope, change the new, move the needle, change the envelope, push the envelope? Um, let's get the right metaphors here, Ellie, um, about gun, gun violence in America, particularly in our schools. Some of the reason why it was the MSD students is because they're affluent. They come from very affluent families, and they have resources. The Parkland, Florida neighborhood from which these students were drawn is extremely well off. The median household income in that neighborhood is $131,525. The median home price is $550,000. Um, they have better-off parents who can give the students a better footing to react to something like this mass shooting. It may also have something to do, I don't know, I've never seen anybody point this out, but it also may have something to do that the school is named after Marjorie uh, uh, Stoneman Douglas, who herself was an idealist. Uh, she tirelessly worked um, to protect the Florida, Florida Everglades, Everglades, and for that work she had a school named after her. I don't know if you can get a better honor in the world than having a school named after you. So what have the MSD students done? For one thing, they have made uh, they have made anger over shootings, anger against the NRA and gun manufacturers acceptable and actionable. They have turned tragedy and anger into action. Within three days of the shooting, there was a rally um, in Fort Lauderdale calling for gun control. And you may recall that at that rally, Emma Gonzalez began her speech with a moment of silence for the victims and then, an, and then gave an impassioned speech where she called out 
members of Congress for their ties to NRA, the NRA. Within six, that was within three days. Within six days of the shooting, busloads of MSD students drove from Parkland to the state capitol in Tallahassee. Not an easy drive. It's I mean, long, several hundred miles to demand changing gun laws. And they watched as the legislation, as the legi- Florida legislature refused a bill that would have banned assault we- uh, weapons. The legislature, not brave. But these students were, and a month later, they continued to push the Florida legislature, and a month later, the legislature actually did do something. It passed legislation raising the minimum age for buying rifles from 18 to 21, established a waiting period and background checks for those purchases, and set up a program. Um, Okay, so some of this in my book is a little crazy, but they set up a program to arm some of the teachers and school employees. Um, And uh, thankfully, the Florida legislature made it more difficult for violent or mentally ill folks to buy guns. Um, On top of that, they provided $400 million of funding. Within a few days um, of the shooting, Gonzalez, Hogg, and and Casey and others organized Never Again MSD. Um, And you may have seen the hashtag, hashtag Never Again. Never Again MSD is in its most basic sense, a political action committee. Most memorable um, uh, or in, uh, was the March for Our Lives rally that was held in Washington, D.C. on March 24th, 2018. You may remember this. I mean, this was covered by all the networks, okay? On that rally in D.C., attended by hundreds of thousands of people, coincided with other rallies at 800 sites across the U.S. and in other countries. I mean, think of it. This is something that 18-year-olds organized. And the rippling from uh, hashtag never again uh, is significant. For one thing, the NRA has lost many sponsors. You will recall that. The big, uh, the, the big rental car companies like Hertz, Avis, and Enterprise cut ties from the NRA. They no longer um, were sponsors for NRA events, no longer gave discounts. So did Delta Airlines and United Airlines. And then later, later in the year, um, FedEx uh, cut ties to the NRA. Now, that came after the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. Look at this. I, you know, we're, we're measuring time now by what shooting happened at what particular month or what particular group was targeted. Sorry, I had to rant on that for a second. That's not in my notes. Um, and, of course, we've heard lately of the financial difficulties the NRA is having. And no doubt, no doubt, this group of idealists from MSD, 18, 19-year-old high school students, no doubt, have had a major impact on the NRA. Last summer, Never Again MSD went across the U.S. and held rallies calling for stronger gun control and targeting students who'd be voting for the very first time and having them vote for candidates who would support stronger anti-gun measures. Um, the response to Never Again MSD has been overwhelming. George and Amal Clooney donated $500,000, which was matched by Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg, and others. All of that money went to organizing March for Our Lives in March of 2018. And then former President Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, wrote to the students. And I want to tell you what they wrote to these young idealists. So letter that came out on March 10th of 2018, quote, We wanted to let you know how inspired we have been by the resilience, resolve, and solidarity that you have all shown in the wake of unspeakable tragedy. Not only have you supported and comforted each other, but you've helped awaken the conscience of the nation and challenged decision makers to make the safety of our children the country's top priority. Throughout our history, young people like you have led the way in making America better. You'll recall from my show a couple of weeks ago about the White Rose in Germany during World War II who resisted the Nazis. Again, young people trying to be idealist. They paid with their lives. Our MSD students, thankfully, are still alive and well, and they continue to push. 
And that pushing, let me just tell you, has been significant because since February of 2018, 26 states have passed a total of 67 new pieces of gun violence prevention legislation. Those are idealists at work. We should follow them. We should respect them. We should support them, write them a check. And most of all, we should remember that when we talk about younger people, those, I- those idealistic young people that are out there by the millions, we need to remember to affirm them and to support them. So when we come back from our break, there you go. When we come back from our break, I'll speak with Robin Wolpert. Hopefully you're enjoying this show. I hear from listeners that you do like it, and um, hopefully I'm inspiring you. Be back in a minute. Thanks. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Crazy about pets? We are too. The Pet Connection Show is a great venue for fun, informative, and creative conversations about pets. Join myself, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Parole, along with guests who are leaders in the dynamic and growing pet industry, as we discuss healthcare, relationships, behaviors, and even political issues as they relate to our pets. So come, sit, stay for the Pet Connection Show, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon on AM 950 Radio, the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. Through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. The entire buying experience with Rudy Luther Toyota is so worthwhile. Every new Toyota comes with Toyota Care, two years of free maintenance with every new Toyota purchased. Their super staff is wonderful, always ready to help. And there's the Luther Advantage card. With every new and used vehicle purchase, you'll get three years of 10 cents off per gallon of gas at Holiday Station stores, as well as discounted car washes. The Luther Advantage card keeps you happy in your Rudy Luther vehicle. Head on over to Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works. LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens is the first green cemetery in Minnesota. It's a beautiful, peaceful place where burials are celebrations of life with as little impact on the environment as possible. Tony Weber founded it because he wants to leave a green legacy for his grandchildren, something many of us might feel. Learn more. Visit the website mngreengraves.com. Give them a call. The goal is so meaningful, so positive, it might be right for you. Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. Back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Um, if you are watching on uh, Facebook Live, you are seeing me uh, seat dance right there quite vigorously. Um, so, uh, you know, Marjorie Stone Douglas students, um, MSD, never, uh, never again. Quite the inspiration. And I want you to remember, as I said in the last segment, you know, they're only like 18, 19 years old now. And they're idealistic, as I said. And now... For the big interview, um, we have another idealist. Um, I have Robin Robin Wolpert on the line. Robin, are you there? 
I am there, Ellie. Oh, Robin, thanks for coming to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, it's I'm a really, pleasure. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. So, audience members, I have a, a somewhat lengthy bio for Robin, and I'm actually going to read this one. Usually I'm winging it and just throwing things out at you. But I, audience members, I think you need to know about Robin. And so I'm going to tell you who she is. She's a Minnesota attorney. She's a leader of uh, the legal profession here in Minnesota and nationally. And she's a thought leader nationally on the subjects of lawyer well-being, diversity and inclusion, and on how to create justice, especially for those with no voice who are left out of the justice system. And remember, LA 2.0, this radio show, is about giving people voice through idealism. Robin earned her Ph.D. in political science from the University of Chicago in 1995. Ph.D., doctorate in, in poli-sci from UChicago. Pretty good credentials. Hold on, they get better, though. Her areas of expertise are constitutional law, judicial politics, political psychology, and cognitive and behavioral economics. After teaching undergraduates and graduate students at Georgetown University and the University of South Carolina, she then went on to law school at Cornell Law School and earned her JD in 2001. I mean, we are talking stellar credentials. That's why I'm reading this. Since then, Robin has practiced in a global law firm, a mid-sized firm, a global company, as well as she's been a prosecutor. She presently works for Sapentia Law Group in Minneapolis. It is a women-owned and minority-owned law firm, and she works in the areas of criminal defense, civil litigation, and appeals. She represents businesses, crime victims, criminal defendants and civil rights claimants in trial and on appeal. She has in the past been the president of the Minnesota State Bar Association. She did that uh, from 16 to 17. And she's on the executive council of the National Council of Bar Presidents and currently chairs the Lawyer Professional Responsibility Board. Those are the people here in Minnesota who keep lawyers in line. Okay, Robin, that was a very long introduction that took a long time. But I'm thrilled to have you on this show. You are not only with all of that, but you're also a friend of mine. And you are, um, you are an idealist, right? You're right. So tell me, what, what is it that you are trying to do in the world? And, and, and in part, I mean, uh, I'm going to guess that many people have never heard of you in Minnesota, okay? Um, and, and often idealists don't get recognition. They're just always under the radar. But what is it that you're trying to do? Because I think more people need to know about you, Robin. Well, thanks, Ellie. Um, I think if you, well, I guess what I'm trying to do is close the gap between what democracy promises and then what the performance actually is. So, for example, our Constitution talks about equality and justice for all, and that sounds amazing, and it is, but it's not always real. So what I want to do to change the world is to make it real, make it that the ideals set forth in our Constitution are actually what we see in practice. Okay. That's, that is um, as idealistic a statement as I think anyone could make. And so what have you done? I mean, what's, what's going, what have you done in the past and where are you going right now? I mean, I know that your leadership for the bar was important because with the bar, maybe we should focus on that first because you really focused on diversity and inclusion as part of your bar presidency. So can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So I did. Diversity and inclusion was a big initiative of mine, but I wanted to make it different than usual. So usually what people do is they get training and you talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and it's a concept. Okay. It's like knowledge, like reading a book as opposed to getting in action and making it real. So the training I focused on was to you know, really get people the experience of seeing their own biases and taking steps to get beyond them so that they could actually see the people in front of them who are different than them. So it was really experience-based. It's like another way to think about it is you can ride a manual, you know, read a manual about how to ride a bike, but unless you're, you know, actually riding the bike, you know, that's when you learn how to ride it, right? In other words, I read a book, and it doesn't tell me how to ride a bike very well, right? Right. So the idea was, let's ride the bike of a diversity and inclusion, and let's actually get in the practice of understanding that people who are different than us, they're really the same, number one. And number two, we can't tell that they're the same because we've got all these perceptual biases. 
We absolutely do. Well, and the Minnesota State Bar Association, what, about 17,000 members? Is that right? Approximately. I think it's closer to 15,000. Okay. All right. But it's across the state of Minnesota, and that in and of itself presents challenges um, because we have different parts of the state that approach diversity and inclusion in many different ways, some more yep. open to it than others. So do you want to talk a little bit about that challenge that you encountered, Miss Idealist? Well, I, I think that in greater Minnesota and in the Twin Cities, everyone has different experiences with diversity, first of all, because there are you know various populations that are different than the majority, and they exist in different places. So you may have rural Minnesotans have more you know day-to-day contact with Somalis or um, with Hispanics um, in southern Minnesota, southwestern Minnesota. Um, so across the state, you may have different interaction points, and then you may have people who have different experience with people who are different than them. And that's the key, is, is going in and talking to people about those experiences and the stereotypes they may have about people, and can they see there's a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best exercises is to start you know, thinking about the stereotypes about themselves or um, who they hold themselves out to be and the gap between who they hold themselves out to be and who they really are. And so we just have different conversations because people are at different ends of the spectrum in terms of interacting with people who are different than them. Right, right. Well, and when you were the president, how did it go when you were pushing for diversity and inclusion? How well did the bar uh, receive your work, your your initiative? I think that everyone, most lawyers who I interacted with, reacted very positively because people know that when you have diff, you know, diverse teams, for example, legal teams or business teams, people know from their experience that diverse teams perform better. So I think that my experience was people were positive about it. But I also have to say that it was you know, a different you know, it was a leap to have people start to really see what their perceptual biases were. And I, I just thought people showed great courage. Our lawyers showed great courage by being willing to, you know, you know, think about their own biases in terms of gender, for example, or race. And those are just basic ones. But we all have biases about lots of things based on, you know, the way they grew up, you know, the way we all grow up. So just to take a silly example, you know, I love the color yellow. It's my favorite color. And so I'm primed to look for it. I'm always looking for yellow. Yellow makes me happy. But, you know, that's one thing that makes me, you know, look, seek it out. But, you know, I don't really like orange so much. So maybe I'm going to avoid orange or maybe I won't even see orange because it won't even be something I'm looking for. Just a simple example like that, people could start to see how everything in their life experience impacts you know, the way they interact with people or the way they approach various situations. Right, right. Well, Robin, we're going to have to take a break here for um, a second. Um, and then when we come back, I want to talk more about what what your approach is as an idealist in the world and what you've done and what you still want to do. Okay? So, listeners, we've been speaking with uh, Robin Wolpert, who's a Minnesota lawyer. She is a leader of the bar, but leader nationally on uh, diversity and inclusion within the bar and and on uh, on lawyer well-being. Um, when we come back, we'll speak for more with Robin. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at lhakrug at gmail because I love hearing from my listeners. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Homelessness. It's a problem in Carver County and every county in the United States. We need every kind of affordable housing, but especially for single young people who are trying to launch themselves. Shepherd of the Hill Church of Chaska is hosting a Tuesday dialogue, June 11th, about Launch Ministry, a successful program that is making affordable housing happen for the young people who are experiencing homelessness in Chaska. The speakers are Corey Magstead, Executive Director, and Amanda Flowers-Peterson, Program Director. The City of Chaska has approved their plans for a 16-unit building of supportive housing. Come hear them talk about what that means and get answers to your questions. I'll be your host, Reverend Dean J. Seal. 
Again, that's Tuesday, June 11th at 7 p.m. Shepherd of the Hill Church of Chaska is at 145 Angler Road and Highway 41 with the Big Red Chair. Free coffee. Find us on Facebook or chaskachurch.org. Be there. Aloha. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast platform out there? You can listen to past episodes of Drink in the Style or maybe download our really cool martini glass graphic or just listen to your favorite episode again and again. But if you do, I need to ask you for a quick favor. Hop online and give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show and also boosts my fragile ego. Drink in the Style. It's a great way to kill Sundays or really anytime at all. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake. Theory 950 weather. This is Eric Nelson. Today will be sunny with a high near 72 and a low around 51. Monday will be sunny with a high near 78 and a low around 61, while Tuesday will be rainy with temperatures in the 70s. Wednesday, sunny with a high near 79 and a low around 60. EatLocalMinnesota.com's Restaurant of the Week is Burger Moe's, offering 20 fresh, never-frozen varieties of burgers, as well as delicious apps, soups, salads, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts. Burger Moe's is the perfect gathering spot before or after XL Energy events. back on LE 2.0 radio um, on AM 950. I need to add that. Um, we've been speaking with Robin, Robin Wolpert, who is a Minnesota lawyer with uh, impeccable credentials. Um, and off air, she told me that her undergrad school was uh, Colby College. Uh, she's also um, a native to Massachusetts, one of my very, very favorite states uh, in the country. So, Robin, um, back to what we were talking about before we broke, because I wanted, you know, I asked you, you know, what have you done in the past and what is it that you continue want to do as an idealist? And then we're going to eventually get to why you are an idealist. But go ahead. I'm giving you the floor, well, floor counselor. Well, what I do right now is really focus on my clients, and oftentimes I, I don't know how people find me, but they do, and they call me with some pretty incredible stories and experiences, and the question I always have is, well, is there a legal solution? Can I help them? And a lot of these stories, and you, you know what I'm talking about, Ellie, but a lot of people have life experiences that are so unbelievable or so unbearable um, and so sorrowful that when they call me, I may be the first person to hear um, their story because they've right. been silent. Right. And so you know that there are a lot of people out there who are silent about some of the injustices, even the big and small ones that they endure every day. And so when I get clients like that, my goal is to be someone who can not only solve their legal problem, but give them somewhere to jump, a place to jump to um, where they actually have a way to rebuild their lives. So, you know, you could, 
you could approach law where you solve someone's problem, you process their case, and then you say, good luck, buddy, you know, you know, I, I got you done over here with, uh, with your sentencing, or I've got your case filed and we're done, but good luck. Or you can take an approach which says, well, why are, you know, is there something that we could rebuild in someone's life or give them a change in perception or some sort of option that's invisible to them because of their suffering? But could we give them somewhere to jump to where they could build their life? So those are the, the, the best cases I handle because um, not only are they the most challenging, but they're the most rewarding. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you say that because um, beginning with this show, um, we have a brand new sponsor, which is Better Futures Minnesota, mm-hmm. and which is helping people who have gone through incarceration get a second chance. And so it's, you know, it's interesting that you talk about that. And we know, I mean, you and I both know that people who go through the criminal justice system here in Minnesota, I mean, the system is is very tilted in many ways. I mean, we have one of the highest rates of incarceration of black colored people in the country here in Minnesota. And we have, we have, a, we have a system generally where if your skin color is not white here in Minnesota, there are a lot of challenges, um, visible and invisible, that are put in your way. And lawyers get to make, help make that pl- you know, playing field a little bit more level. Yes? That's right. And then, you know, in addition to, you know, the criminal defense world, you also have, you know, the Me Too movement and, you know, the power imbalance there and the silence of women. And usually their stories, again, you know this, that when, you know, people start telling their stories, they don't seem believable. And perhaps they are angry and they're frustrated and they're really shut down. They've been silent for so long. And in the, in the reasonable world that we live in, there's so many microaggressions and so many small things right. that exclude people, but they add up to big time abuse, um, and you know a huge, obviously a huge power um, imbalance. And so you think about those stories too. Um, we're living, we live in a world where everything seems reasonable, right? Um, all these employment decisions, um, all these you know criminal um, cases, all these you know situations that people encounter every day, people seem to be acting reasonably, but it's those micro actions or omissions that, and you see it with discrimination too, right? That's the basis for, you know, how you keep people down and out. Well, in fact, in the segment that's going to follow this, I'm going to talk about a microaggression that I experienced uh, just last week. So um, it is real. I mean, of course, Ellie Krug, plenty of privilege um, still in the world. So, Robin, how did you get here? Okay, I mean, you grew up in Western Massachusetts around Springfield, Hartford area. That is part of that is affluent, but part of it is not. You ended up going to. I mean, we are talking gold-plated in terms of of quality of education. You've you've been able to get that, and it's not a given that somebody who's worked as hard as you have. I mean, my God, you've got a doctorate, okay, in um, constitutional uh, law and, and, or excuse me, political science. And then you've got a JD on top of that from Cornell. I mean, we are talking the best colleges in the country, best law schools, best universities. And what you do is, is you are practicing here in Minnesota representing criminal defendants. You did not need to do that. So how did you get here? How did you get to be an idealist? Well, I think what happened was I grew up in Western Massachusetts, which is an ethnically diverse area. And at the time, I had grandparents who were immigrants from Poland, and they were constantly engaged in strife with other racial minorities or majorities in Massachusetts, like the Irish, for example, or the Italians or the Puerto Ricans. And so there was, I grew up with my grandparents seeing all that ethnic strife and just standing in that puzzle of the inequity. Like, why is it like this? These people all seem the same, but why is it like that? So what I was fascinated by that whole question of why are my grandparents being left out of all these things I read about in school, like equality, um, for example, and justice. Why are they being left out? So I went to the University of Chicago to get my PhD because that was my focus. Who gets left out? Why? <laughs> um, and why can't we have justice for all? 
what's the gap here and and is there any way to bridge it and what i i loved about the university of chicago is i you know got just a great training and i had great experiences teaching especially at university of south carolina where most of my students i had the biggest african-american population i ever had in any of my classes so about a third of my students would be african-american and many of them were the first in their family to yep. leave their family home in rural South Carolina and come to school. So I just had, a, so it was so inspiring to teach these kids and, and, you know, the kind of critical thinking that they need to go off and make the world a better place. And a lot of them went to law school. And the reason I, you know, went into academia was because I loved my, you know, this whole idea, this religion, this American civic religion of, <laughs> justice and equality but but it's after i had taught for a while ellie what i thought was you know all i'm doing is reading and talking about it i'm not in action and that became pretty compelling for me to leave and go get a law degree so i could be in action on this so instead of you know talking i wanted to do something for people so that's why i left and went to law school listeners what you just heard was an idealist at the very heart of idealism of wanting to make a difference. I love, Robin, I love that you talk about who gets left out, okay? Because in our society, you know, this democracy of ours is a strange thing, you know, intertwined with capitalism. In theory, everyone in theory, okay, is equal. And, you, and, and if you work hard, you're going to succeed. You'll be able to make a living, be able to maybe find love, be able to build a family and a life and all of that stuff. Um, but you and I both know that that is not true. That is not the way the system is set up. That theory may work, but I mean, may be there. But the reality is, you know, based on simply the color of your skin or the country that you were born in, you know, or the accent that you have, um, or certainly uh, the gender that you identify in, um, all of those things are, are barriers. And, and they prevent people from being their best best possible versions of themselves because of the way society treats them. Right. And it also could be that someone just doesn't like you and, and it's all personal to you. And there are all these different dynamics out there where people get shut down or left out. And it's not like the world is, you know, terrible. It's just that, you know, for some it works and for some it doesn't. So can we bridge that gap? Can we make the system work for everyone? Um, I'm not saying that I have the solution that, you know, a lot of people like me could really make a difference. I think the need is so great. But I also think, Ellie, when you go through this process of helping people, um, in other words, you help them through the legal process, if they're a criminal offender, for example, or whether they're a civil rights um, claimant, you help them through the process, and at the same time, you're helping them build a get build justice outside the system. So in other words, think about it this way. I, I often have clients who come to me and, you know, maybe they have, I don't know, they're being, they might be charged with prostitution or something, right? And it's like, you know, what I'll tell them is, you know, you're going to go through the system, you're going to have to do some time, um, the evidence is what it is. How did you get to this position where you were actually doing this? And can you find some way um, to change your perception and start taking responsibility and be accountable for what you've done and then build something else. Do you really think, right. can't you do that? And just really showing people, I think a lot of people hide what they're good at. I think there's a culture in Minnesota. We don't tout our talents. It's not seen as humble or modest. And so people aren't used to thinking, oh, there's something great about me. So if you can right. show your clients, you know, yeah, there's actually, you're the best person in the, that I know who knows how to plant lilacs. You know, you're the best person who has the skill set for car mechanics. I mean, just people don't even appreciate the talents they have. And then they start to see, oh, I actually have, you know, a skill set that's useful. I'm actually valuable to society. I could actually right. do something. If you can get people to see that, Ellie, they can start building something new. So what's next for you, Robin? We've got about a minute here. What, I mean, I have the sense that while you're doing legal work right now with a law firm in downtown Minneapolis, I have a sense that maybe there's something bigger for you. So what are you thinking about as an idealist? 
I think that right now what I'm focused on is just helping the people who um, happen to intersect with my life in the in my profession in the best possible way and and just take all take in all those really challenging um, unspeakable stories and create something out of that in other words mediate those horrible stories and find a way to humanize people in the courts and further their interests but also really do justice outside the courts because you know if you can't get justice within the system sometimes you're not going to get you know a judge isn't going to be able to give you everything you want given the law and the facts and the evidence but can't you go out and create your own justice can't you say I made a mistake, and now what I'm doing is rebuilding something new. And that's, I just find that very fulfilling. Well, that's just great to hear, Robin. I look forward uh, to reading more about you, more about your work in the world, more about your idealism. And I just, it's been a real honor and privilege to have you on LE 2.0 Radio. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ellie. All right, listeners. Well, we've been speaking with Robin, Robin Wolpert, who is a, a lawyer in downtown Minneapolis. She's with the Sapentia Law Group. Um, certainly check her out because um, she is an idealist. She is doing what we need to do as humans um, to make this world a better place. And as I just loved what Robin said about looking to see who gets left out and getting them back in. In a minute, we'll be back for my C-Block, where I'll talk about an experience I recently had. Thank you. Bye. Hi, friends. I've been talking to you about Minnesota's first green cemetery, Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. It's an entirely new way of looking at our last earthly step. Burials are designed to have as little impact on the environment as possible. For many of us, a continuation of the commitment we made during our lifetimes. Let me suggest you go to the website mngreengraves.com. Explore what it is. Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. It's a lovely place, a peaceful place. Minnesota's first green cemetery. It's Greek to Me is now open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday. Be sure to join them for lunch. With warmer weather upon us, their magnificent Grecian patio is open. It's Greek to Me is located on the corner of Lake and Lindell at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at itsgreektomemn.com. In addition to free side street parking, there is metered cross street parking and a toll lot behind the restaurant along Garfield Avenue, as well as the Dulano's parking lot on Lake Street and Garfield. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Better Futures Minnesota impacts the community by addressing root causes of poverty, homelessness, dependency on public assistance, and high rates of untreated trauma that often lead to incarceration. The lives of men served have been marked by chaos, violence, and loss, which contribute to feelings of devaluation, rage, and lost human potential. Healings from this trauma is essential before participants can succeed as workers, fathers, and responsible community members. Learn how you can support our efforts at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists. Warner Stellion. Eat fresh and support local farmers this summer by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmer's Market. The market has the best selection of fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meats, and farmstead goods. It's not too late to pick up plants and flowers. Also, fresh at the market is asparagus, rhubarb, and green onions. The Minneapolis Farmer's Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. Plus, there's additional locations Tuesdays at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. How long till my soul gets it right? 
are back on AM 950 Ellie Krug. Uh, you know what? Robin Wolbert, get used to that name. I think you're going to hear more about her and, um, and her work. But again, it reinforces the fact that maybe you've not heard of her, okay? Reinforces that there are idealists out there all the time yearning for change. And you heard also Robin talk about microaggressions. And I want to relay for you a quick experience that I had that reminded me, Ellie Krug, yours truly, your radio host, um, that I mother. So uh, the week before last, I was um, speaking in Atlantic City to the New Jersey Bar Association. And uh, as it turned out, my talk got done early. I mean, I, I flew in, the, it was I literally out of Minneapolis, maybe 28 hours, but I flew in, got a car, stayed overnight, and then early in the morning spoke um, uh, to the New Jersey State Bar Association, got in the car. I'm back in the car by 11 in the morning, driving back to the Philadelphia airport. And I got there early, and I you know, went to the bar and set up my laptop and just started doing some work, okay? Um, I didn't, I wanted to get something to eat and I didn't want to just sit by myself. So, and I was still on. I you, I am an introvert rather than an extrovert. But once you turn me on, see, oh, you just heard that snap. Um, I stay on for a while and I was still in my extrovert switch that was still on. So I'm sitting at the bar and there was a man next to me named Aaron. We strike up this conversation. He was from Raleigh. I've been to Raleigh. I think Raleigh's a really great city. We talked about its livability and then I found out that he had a golden retriever puppy at home and I'm like, oh my God, I've got to talk to you some more. And it was a very, very pleasant conversation. By the end, he shook his hand. He said, it was Aaron. I said, I'm Ellie. Really nice to meet you. He said, it was really great talking to you. He leaves. Replaced then by a woman. Um, I would guess uh, mid to late 60s. Um, blonde. Uh, not, that doesn't matter, Ellie. I didn't need to say that. Um, and... Um, she was. Uh, she told me she was. Le- she lived in Philly on her way to to Florida for a quote rescue mission for her brother. I didn't get into what that was. Told me that she had been a salon owner, so she was a stylist. Um, had owned four salons, was down now to one. And then we got into this conversation about how important stylists are to to women. I mean, I just. I mean, I could not live without my stylist, Kara. Uh, thank you, Kara. And um, uh, and and we're having this very pleasant conversation. I'm not at any point did the subject of me being transgender come up or the subject at all about LGBTQ people or anything. I mean, we're not even talking about any of that stuff. And out of the blue, out of the blue, she says to me, so what did your parents think of your lifestyle choice? Did they approve of it? And I've got to tell you, I mean, that was totally out of the blue. And it just shocked me, frankly. And I cannot recount for you right now exactly what I said, but I'm sure that I deflected um, rather than answering it uh, accurately. But you know what I did then? I, 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 I shut up and I went back to my computer um, and, 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 and started, you know, just trying to pay attention to that. But I couldn't pay attention because her question, because her question had made me feel like I was other. And it reminded me that I don't pass 100% as a woman because of this voice or so I hope that's all it is. And so um, I asked for the check. I needed to get out of there. And then there was a part of me that's like, Ellie, you know what? You're in this business. I mean, you need to say something to this woman. You can't just simply run away. And so I turned to her as I was waiting for the check. And and I said to her, I said, with great, with great kindness and respect, I need to tell you something. I said, when you asked me about my parents and, you know, did they approve of my, quote, lifestyle choice? I said, um, you made me feel like I was other. And I said, you know what? Transgender people in America today are being reminded daily that we do not matter. We're being reminded daily, particularly by the government, that, that we are other, that we are different, that we don't have any rights. And I said, you just, your question hurt me. And I just said, you know, I, th- I, I believe your intent was good, but it hurt me. And in response, I watched her face scrunch a little bit, and she looked at me, and then I saw anger. And what she said to me was, did you just say that to me for your benefit or for mine? And it was really clear to me at that point, this conversation was totally over. Thankfully, by that point, I had the check, 
took out my money, paid the bill, and then I got up without saying another word to this woman and left. But I'll tell you, the episode hurt like heck. And you've got a sense from me as your radio host, I'm a pretty strong person and all of that stuff, but this just went, this went to the core of my being because essentially it was questioning me, whether I have the right to be me, whether I have the right to even exist as Ellie Krug. I, I tried to work after that. I couldn't do any more work. I, I journaled, thank goodness I had my journal with me. I listened to music. And then I put it on Twitter, and I, on Twitter I put a, a, a post that started with getting clocked. Because in the transgender world, when somebody um, points you out as uh, not being consistent with what your birth gender is, it's, being, it's called getting clocked. And I relayed on Twitter very quickly, you know, what had happened. And then um, got on the plane. When I got off the plane, I'll tell you, 15 people on Twitter had come forward to support me with wonderful words to say. I was overwhelmed. And it sure helped seeing all of that from my friends on Twitter. So Twitter friends, thank you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Ellie Krug, by the way, at Ellie Krug. So, all right, well, listen, um, here's the thing. Let other people bring up their story. Don't ever, ever ask them to self-disclose about anything, okay? Please don't do that. All right, well, that's the show. We've got it in. I'm going to run out of time here, so I need to give a big thanks to our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis. Let Bev know that I recommended you. She does great work. And I am thrilled to announce that we have a new sponsor in LE 2.0, Radio Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. I will spotlight Better Futures Minnesota um, in the coming weeks. I'll have somebody from the, um, from the organization come into the office because it's filled with idealists. And you, my listeners, oh, Brett Johnson, I need to give you a big shout-out. You are the best producer in the world. Thank you. And my listeners, you are great listeners. I hope you're enjoying this show. Listen to it on podcast. You can go to Apple Tunes, iTunes, I don't know. You can go all over the place, find the pod- podcast. Email me at Krug, Gmail if you like me. Visit my website at elliekrug.com. And have a great week. I'll be back next week. Thanks. Bye. Street.